This is the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast, coming to you from the heart of Honolulu, Hawaii. Hui Kala is a dynamic family of faith committed to solid Bible teaching, discipleship, and helping you grow in your faith. Grab your Bible and prepare to dig deep into the Word with Pastor Anthony King. Grab your Bibles this morning, turn to the book of Mark chapter 2, if you would, Mark chapter 2. Continuing our series entitled Magnify Jesus, we're taking a look at what it means to make much of Jesus in our lives. Uh, We'll be taking a look at um, the idea since the beginning of the year, uh, in the month of April, we're going to kick off a verse-by-verse study of the book of Philippians, where our theme verse comes from uh, this year, but we're taking a look at how we can practically magnify and make much of Jesus in our lives uh, this year. Today, we're taking a look at magnifying Jesus through fasting. The last couple of Sundays, we're taking a look at how we can magnify Jesus through our giving. Last week, we took a look at how we can magnify Jesus through our praying. And today, we're taking a look at how we can magnify Jesus through our fasting. And so many of you maybe have never heard a message uh, before on the subject of fasting. Uh, You're missing out. And I want to encourage you today to make it part of your spiritual discipline. We'll talk about how to do that uh, practically and then why we do it uh, throughout this message here this morning. Mark chapter 2 is where we find ourselves this morning. We're starting verse number 18, really uh, just uh, verses 18 through 20 this morning. Mark chapter 2, verse number 18. And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast, and they come and say to him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and they shall fast in those days. Before we jump into the message this morning, I did want to uh, make you aware of one important note. The month of March is Reach Month at Hui Kala Baptist Church. Some of you might not know what that is. I'm glad because I'm getting ready to explain it to you. The idea behind Reach Month is that you would spend time with another person in the month of March for the purpose of sharing your faith. And the idea is this, if someone found you with the gospel, it's now your opportunity to find someone else with the gospel. So I want to encourage you to think through somebody that you know that that does not know Jesus. Set up an appointment in the month of March. Grab coffee, invite them to your home, take them out to dinner for the purpose of sharing your faith with them. And we're going to give you some tools over the next four weeks uh, to help you be prepared to share your faith with somebody. We actually have a a training time on a Saturday uh, morning where we're actually going to teach you how to share your faith with somebody else. We're going to give you some tools, some resources to make that a reality and talk about the entire month of March, why we... Uh, commit to sharing our faith with other people. Uh, But the month of March is Reach Month. I want you to be thinking over the next week. We'll talk about more next Sunday because how many of you cannot believe that next Sunday is March the 1st? This year is flying by. Uh, So the month of March, we're going to talk about uh, reaching other people with the gospel. So be thinking now about a person you know that you can bring to Jesus in the month of March. Now, back to our uh, passage of scripture this morning. Fasting. Fasting isn't something that we uh, would think of as a fun thing to do. Uh, We might not mind praying. We might not mind reading our Bible. But to do without the thing that we require to live, food, uh, isn't very appealing. Uh, As you can imagine, from my size, I didn't get the size that I am by fasting a lot. Uh, It hurts to do that. I didn't get my size by eating small portions of food or eating lots of vegetables or lots of green stuff, that's for sure. Um, So when you begin to take something that's near and dear to people's heart and you begin to uh, maybe mess with it a little bit, it causes a little bit of uneasiness. 
When we look at the idea of fasting in the Bible, Jesus tells us that we should fast. And uh, in the Old Testament, there was only one day that they were required to fast, and that day was Yom Kippur, or the Day of Atonement. And so the Old Testament, one fast day that they were given that they had to actually fast. Now, the Pharisees were the really, really religious folks. They had actually taken it to the next degree, and they thought to themselves, well, if fasting once a year is good, then maybe if we fasted a couple of times a week, that would be good. And so they actually made a fast day. Twice a week, they would fast. And so they made it part of their, their regular routine and part of what they normally did. And they said, well, the Pharisees are fasting, and the disciples of John are fasting, but Jesus, your apostles they're not fasting a whole lot, and we want to know why. And Jesus said, hey, when they have the groom with them, when the bride is with the groom, uh, the, the bride doesn't fast. But when the groom is taken away, then the bride will fast, is the idea that Jesus was saying here. And he kind of gives us a premise that we can use when we talk about fasting this morning. Again, we've taken a look over the last three weeks at giving, praying, and fasting. First of all, if you're taking notes, and I highly recommend that you do, write down this thought this morning. Giving is a hard issue. Giving is a heart issue. I say I give to the Lord because I love the Lord, because it's an act of worship, because he means so much to me. I have the opportunity to give back to him. The Bible gives us guidelines that we should follow on how we should give back to the Lord. We should give back to the Lord on the first fruit of our increase, the Bible tells us. Whenever I receive anything in my hand, God automatically gets the first portion of that that belongs to him. Uh, the Bible tells us that historically in the Bible, it's been the tithe, and the tithe is a great place. The first tenth part of that belongs to God. It's a great place to start, terrible place to stop. I want to give more because I love the Lord, because of an act of worship, and that's an indication of my heart issue. So if I... Love, I'll give, simple as that. I love my wife, and so I give to my wife. I love my children, so I give to my children. I love this church, and so I give to this church. I love the Lord, and so I give to the Lord. It's just part of my heart that I have. Last week, we took a look at prayer. Praying is a heart issue. If you don't spend time in prayer, it's an indication of something that's probably not right in your heart. Praying proves our dependence upon God. It says, I need God. I, I need God. I need you to help me with this. God, I can't do this on my own. And when we don't pray, we're effectively saying, hey, it's cool, God. I got this. Don't sweat it. I'm on this. But praying shows a dependence on God. I need God. Fasting, also a hard issue. When I'm willing to say, I'm going to set aside a meal. I'm going to set aside a meal for a couple of days. I'm going to set aside maybe 48 hours where I don't eat. I'm going to set aside maybe an entire week where I don't eat solid foods for the purpose of prayer, for the purpose of being closer to God, for the purpose of maybe starving out my desires for the things of this world. It's a heart issue. And so Jesus, in his Sermon on the Mount, he says, when you fast, here's how you fast. When you pray, here's how you pray. When you give, here's how you give. He didn't say, if you fast, here's some good guidelines to follow. He said, when you fast. The idea is that we would. He didn't say if you give, he says when you give. He didn't say if you pray, he said when you pray, here's how to do it. And so we see that fasting was meant to be part of the Christian life. It was meant to be part of what we do. And again, some folks, uh, maybe I didn't grow up in a church that taught us to fast or what it meant to fast or how to fast. And so I'd never really done it until I was an adult. It was probably in my late 20s, I would say, the first time I ever fasted because I didn't know that you were supposed to do it. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know the guidelines to do it. I didn't know why in the world someone would choose to go without eating uh, for a period of time. And so I want to help you with that today from a practical sense, and then I also want to help you from a spiritual aspect of why we fast. Giving, praying, and fasting place my priorities on the things above. 
I tell God what's really important to me by the way I spend my money, by the way I spend my time, where I place my reliance and faith, and what I do with my food. If I'm willing to say, I'm not gonna eat anything for the next 24 hours because I really wanna be close to God, for me, that's a massive sacrifice. Uh, I don't know about you, but I eat like every two or three hours. Like I, like I eat a meal and then like an hour later, I'm like, I think I'm hungry again. Uh, I'll go to a restaurant. I'll say, oh, I'm so full. Could you box that up for me? And like 45 minutes after getting home, I'm just like, where are my leftovers at? You know, uh, I eat all the time. And so for me to go even a meal without eating, it's just like, wow. Have you ever met people before who says, oh, I got so busy today, I forgot to eat. That's never happened to me before in my life. Like, I've never forgotten to eat, like, ever, like, ever, ever. Like, that just doesn't happen. Like, forget to eat. What the world? It's like, I forgot to breathe. Like, no, you didn't. Um, So to say, God, I want you more than I want food. That's a big deal. God, I want you more than I want to eat what's in front of me. There's been times before where I've been fasting and someone's asked me out to, to dinner. Oh man, I want to take you to dinner tonight. Ah, I can't tonight. I'm gonna have to wait on that. You know what that says? I'm placing a priority on the things of God more than time with friends or uh, a meal that I would like to eat. It sets our priorities on the things above. Giving, praying, and fasting though, prove our priorities by revealing to me if I love God or if I only love his goodness. Do I really love the Lord or do I just want his stuff? Many times I find Christians just want God's stuff. I don't want to worship him. I don't want to pray. I don't want to go to church. I don't want to give. I don't want to fast. I don't want to pray. I just want God to give me good stuff. I want God to bless my day. I want God to give me that promotion at work. I want him to increase my finances. I want my kids to not be sick. I want my kids to go to a good school. I want to move into that nice house that's down the road. God, give me those things. I don't really want to worship. I mean, I don't really want to like give. I mean, I'll pray if it'll give me what I want. But giving, fasting, and praying proves. Do you really love God or do you just love his stuff? Do you really love God or do you just want his good things that he gives to you as a good father? When we talk about fasting, we're talking about eating sparingly or abstaining from food altogether, either from necessity or desire. Fasting in the Bible is 100% of the time associated with food, 100%. Now, I've met people before who say, oh, you know, I'm gonna go on a social media fast this week. I'm not gonna gonna check Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or anything like that. Social media fast. And that would be helpful. That would be a good thing. That's not a biblical fast, though. Some of you need to fast from social media for like the rest of your life. It would help you, right? I've known people before, I'm going on a TV fast. I'm not gonna watch TV for the next week. Hey, you'd be good if you didn't watch TV for the next, you know, six months. Don't call that a fast. That's not a biblical fast. Uh, you know, I've known people before who, like, I, I met a guy one time, he's taking a, a, a hot water fast. I mean, what does that mean? I'm not using hot water for the next week so I can be close to the Lord. Okay, if that works for you, I'm 100% for you. Just don't call it a fast. And so uh, this guy was taking cold showers. He was drinking like, he wouldn't uh, drink coffee or hot tea or anything like that for, for a week. Hey, if that works for you, I'm for it. It's just not the, the definition of a biblical fast. Biblical fasts always deal with food and biblical fasts are always coupled together with prayer uh, as well. So fasting in and of itself is not even necessarily spiritual. Uh, and again, it's definitely not a Christian thing. Many world religions will uh, give fasts and fast days and fast times and give you parameters for the fast and things along, along those lines. 
you've ever gone to a doctor, sometimes they'll tell you the worst thing that you've ever heard in your entire life, and it's like, uh, you have to take this test, but you can't eat anything for 12 hours. It's just like, what? I think I'll die if I don't eat for 12 hours, right? And sometimes they say, well, you can take this test, you know, the first thing in the morning, don't eat after 10 o'clock or something like that. And you see all the people that are lined up at like 5.55 outside the lab going like, like pack the lunch with them, you know, like I can't, I've got to eat. And so fasting isn't even necessarily a spiritual thing unless we choose to make it a spiritual thing. Again, we're not going to talk today about all the health benefits that are associated with uh, fasting and has become very popular to, to do intermittent fasting where there's a short window throughout the day that you only eat and stuff like that. We're not talking about fasting for health reasons. Uh, we're not talking about fasting for weight loss reasons or anything like that. Today, we're talking about fasting for spiritual reasons. Spiritual fasting entails reducing the intake of food and replacing these activities with the exercise of prayer and preoccupation of spiritual concerns. Spiritual fasting says, I want to skip a meal because I just want to pray and I want to focus my heart towards the things of God. That's spiritual fasting. Again, we don't ever find a time in Scripture where someone fasts and then just goes along their their daily life the way that they normally would. No, it's always coupled together with a, a series, or I'm sorry, a season of prayer and preoccupation with spiritual matters. We'll take a look at in just a moment some of the reasons why we can fast that we find in the Bible. But it says, hey, I'm gonna skip lunch today because I just wanna spend time in prayer. Maybe there's sin in my life that needs to be made right. Maybe my heart's burdened for someone else's sin in their life. Maybe uh, my heart is burdened for a situation. Maybe I need wisdom. Uh, maybe I need guidance. And I'm gonna fast so that I can uh, really spend a lot of time in prayer and connect my heart to the heart of God in a unique way. That's the idea behind a spiritual fast. And a spiritual fast might be more than just a meal. Maybe you'll take an entire day and not eat throughout a, a particular day. And then some folks who have fasted for, for weeks, months, uh, sometimes uh, you know three, four months at a time uh, in fasting. Four types of fasting that we find in Scripture. First of all, we see the normal fast. In the normal fast, there's no intake of food uh, for a certain period of time, uh, although they might actually do some type of uh, liquid intake. So a normal fast, let's say, for example, no solid foods, but you can have uh, water, you can have uh, smoothies, you can do things along those lines. Uh, This would be a a normal fast where you can still drink water uh, and things along those lines. this type of fast is the type, when I fast, this is what I would normally do. I would uh, still drink water. I would drink uh, sometimes juice. Uh, I know it's loaded with sugar. Don't give me that today, okay? Uh, sometimes juice, sometimes smoothies, sometimes uh, protein shakes and things like that, especially if it's going to be for an extended period of time. If you're going to be fasting for three or four days, you've got to get nutrients in somehow or you will die or get really, really sick. I'm not a medical doctor. I'm not telling you how to do that, but you need to seek medical advice if you need to, but you can't go for a long period of time without the nutrients that your body needs. Uh, but the, a normal fast, I'm going to do away with solid foods. I'm going to uh, only take uh, liquids, waters, uh, juices, things along those lines. Second type of fast that we find in Scripture is a partial fast where you choose certain types of food that you don't want to eat. Uh, for example, we see in the book of Daniel where Daniel says, I'm not going to eat the king's meat. I'm only going to eat pulse, which is uh, basically vegetables. That's a terrible diet to go on. Uh, Believe it or not, there's somebody who wrote a book called The Daniel Fast, and they talk about here's the best way to eat uh, lots of green stuff and don't eat meats. That's a terrible type of diet to be on. Uh, If I'm going to choose a diet, if I'm going to choose to fast, I would go on like a carnivore diet, you know, like where you only eat meat. How awesome would that be? 
I'm fasting for the Lord, so I'm going to do away with all greens this week, you know. No kale, no salads. I'm only going to focus on lots of meat and lots of bacon, lots of steak, lots of, uh, wouldn't that be awesome, right? Uh, the, the, Dan, the Daniel fast would be an example of a type of, uh, of a partial fast where there's certain types of food that we don't eat. Some folks have done this before. They say, hey, I'm not, I'm not going to do bread this week and, and things along those lines. Uh, and that might be helpful for you. For me, I get caught up. I, I'm an overthinker. And so when it comes to something like a partial fast, I would say, well, I'm not doing bread this week, but would rice be considered a starch, which is kind of like bread? So I'm like, can I, I mean, I can't have rice too, or is it just I can have rice but not? And so for me, I overthink things way too much. It's really easy when it's just black and white for me. So, but this might be a type of fast that works for you. I've known people before who say, hey, I'm not going to do any type of uh, dairy this week. Or I'm not going to do any type of... Um, you know, I've known people say, I'm not going to uh, drink coffee this week uh, as part of my fast or something along those lines. I get it. Uh, that would be a type of a partial fast that we find in Scripture. Next type of fast that we find is called an absolute fast. This is no food, no water, no liquids, no nothing. And let me just put a caveat on this. Do not go more than 24 hours in an absolute fast because there's a very good possibility of you hurting yourself or dying, okay? And so I don't encourage you to do this for an extended period of time uh, whatsoever, uh, but uh, absolute fast would be no food, no water for a certain period of time, whether it be for one meal, whether it be for uh, a couple of meals in a row, whether it be for a 24-hour span, something along those lines. Uh, that's the idea of an absolute fast. The last type of fast that we find in Scripture is a supernatural absolute fast. Uh, this is a, a fast of all uh, liquids, all food for an extended period of time that is beyond the limits of the natural human body. Do not try this. I'm, as your pastor, I love you. Don't do it ever, ever, ever. Uh, we have uh, instances in Scripture. Jesus, 40 days, no food or water. Let me tell you this, you are not Jesus, okay? Uh, don't try it. Uh, Moses went on top of the uh, mount to get the, the uh, Ten Commandments from God. He was up there for 40 days and 40 nights without anything to eat. You are not Moses. Do not try this, okay? Uh, but we find in Scripture... In unique cases that God did something special uh, through these people for a, spe a special purpose, don't try it. Now, when we talk about fasting, fasting is really denying and humbling of oneself in a spontaneous, voluntary response to sorrow. Nobody ever fasts because things are going really good. We don't find that in Scripture. Like, hey, life is awesome. I think I'll fast today because life is so good. We never find that in Scripture. We always find it connected to sorrow. We always find it connected to grief. And the other thing about fasting that we've we find, aside from the Old Testament where there was uh, fasting days that were required, it's always voluntary. This is not something that somebody forces you to do or you have to do. Uh, we as a church don't proclaim that everybody in our church must go through a fast. We have in the past had days of prayer and fasting that if you chose voluntarily to join us on a day that we would choose to fast and pray for our church and for our city, uh, you're welcome to do that. But it's a voluntary thing that you get to do. And when we say spontaneous, it's not like I, I wake up this morning and I can't plan out my fast a week in advance or something like that. The idea of being spontaneous is that we don't have it on a calendar at any certain days that everyone has to abide by. And so when we talk about uh, biblical fasting in, in our realm today, we're talking about uh, spontaneous voluntary response to sorrow. And again, we'll take a look at what that looks like in just a moment practically uh, that we find in Scripture. But this is the idea behind fasting. When Jesus says to his apostles or to the folks that were questioning his apostles, hey, why do your guys not fast? He says, because I'm with them. And while I'm with them, they're not going to need to fast. But this, when I leave, they'll fast then. And Jesus really begins to prepare you and I 
for his absence, what it means like to not have Jesus around. He begins to prepare the apostles for what it's like to not have Jesus around. And the absence of Jesus leaves us a spiritual anxiety in the fact that before you knew Jesus, before you were walking with Jesus, there was a part of you that wasn't complete. There was a part of you that was still lacking. And the apostles had Jesus Christ with them, and then he left, and there was a part of them that was still lacking, a part of them that was still desiring And for you and I, before we met Jesus, there was inside of us a spiritual unsettledness. I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior when I was nine years old, but at nine years old, I realized that there was something missing in my life. Periods of my life where I have walked away from what I knew to be right and walked towards sin, it left an anxiousness and a longing and a missing in my heart and in my spirit because of the absence of Jesus Christ. All of us were born into this world with the absence of Christ. No one in this room was born into this world a Christian. Nobody uh, was ever born into Christianity. You might have been born into a family that went to church or a family that was Christian. Or you might have been brought up in a certain type of belief system, but no one was born a Christian. The Bible says we're born sinners and we're born at odds with God. And that creates inside of us a spiritual anxiety. The Bible says that before we knew God, that we were without a father. Before God, we were the children of wrath, children of disobedience, children of the devil. That we'd all gone our own way and done our own thing. And that there was none righteous, no, not one. Let me just tell you, that's a spiritually anxious place to be to be without a heavenly father, to be without a sense of right or wrong, to be without a sense of what happens after this life or what comes when I take my last breath. Is there really a heaven? Is there really a hell? Creates inside of us an anxiety that needs to be settled. And the absence of Jesus will do that for us. The Bible says that you've sinned against God, that I've sinned against God. All of us have broken God's law. All of us have sinned against God's commandments. And because of that, sin has a price that must be paid. The Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death. Because I've sinned against God, because you've sinned against God, we're all going to physically die one day and then we'll stand before God in judgment one day and God will say, because of your sin, you can't come to heaven. You just can't. You gotta leave. And the only place that you can go is hell. And hell is a place prepared for those who have sinned against God. And if you've sinned against God, that's you and me. But God loves you too much to leave you in a spiritually anxious state without a father, without a savior. And so he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross to pay for my sins and pay for yours so that when you die, you don't have to go to hell so that when you die, you don't have to stand before God and he says, get out. Jesus came to pay for your sins so that you can be forgiven. And friend, there must be a time, a date, and a place for you where you put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Savior. Again, I was a nine-year-old boy when I understood I've sinned against God and Jesus is the only way to make it right. And I put my faith in Jesus as my Savior. And that day I was born again, the Bible says. And Jesus goes so far as to say this in John 3, no man shall enter the kingdom of God unless he is born again. You have to be saved to go to heaven. It's the only way. And there's not another way to heaven. Jesus says in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. Jesus says, I'm the only way to heaven. And so you must be saved to go to heaven. 
Has there been a time for you where you've been saved? Do you know for sure if you died today that heaven is your home? The only hope that you have is Jesus. You can't say, well, I think I'm a pretty good person. Well, I, I go to church a lot. The wages of sin is not going to church a lot. It's death. The wages of sin is not trying to be a better person. It's death. It's the only way that you can pay for it or someone else can pay for you. I can't pay for you. I have my own sin that I must pay for. This church couldn't pay for your sins. There's not enough baptism in the entire world to cover your sins. The only person that can pay for your sins, his name is Jesus. And you must put your faith in Jesus to be saved. And friend, if you're here today and you've never been saved, you can never eat a meal for the rest of your life and it will not save you. We're talking about fasting today for Christians, people who know Jesus Christ as their savior. You see, many people get the idea that, hey, if I get more religious, I can get to heaven. Hey, if I adopt a more religious lifestyle, I can get to heaven. Hey, maybe I'll wear a cross and maybe that'll get me to heaven. Hey, maybe I'll, I'll help people that are in a bad situation and that'll get me to heaven. Hey, maybe I can get baptized at that church down the street and that'll get me to heaven. Hey, maybe I can just try to be a, a lot more religious and maybe pray more and that'll get me to heaven. Hey, pastor's talking about fasting. Maybe I'll just fast and see if that can get me to heaven. Friend, you can't do it. You couldn't be baptized enough. You couldn't give enough. You couldn't fast enough to ever cover your sins. You've got to die or someone's got to die for you. And somebody died for you and his name is Jesus. All you have to do is put your faith in him as your savior and allow his payment to be applied to your account and you'll be forgiven of your sins. That's the only hope that you have. Jesus is the cure for the spiritual anxiety that you and I have. But there's periods of time in our life, even for us as Christians, again, I got saved when I was nine, but I've gone through periods of time in my life where I've walked away from what I knew to be right and I've chosen to go my own way. And you know what brings me back every single time? Repentance. And oftentimes we find in the Bible, repentance coupled together with fasting will bring us back into the presence of Christ. See, the absence of Jesus leaves our heart craving the times where I tried to scratch my own itch or do my own thing or fill my own hole, I found that it never worked that way because Jesus was what my heart was searching for. Are you searching for fulfillment? You won't find it in the next dating relationship. You won't find it in the next marriage. You won't find it in the next house that you buy. If you're looking for fulfillment, you won't find it in that next job that you're going to or that next uh, thing that you think is gonna make everything be okay. Looking for fulfillment in the next uh, paycheck, the next pay raise, the next promotion, you'll be disappointed every single time. Jesus is what your heart craves. And Jesus said to his apostles, when I'm gone, your heart will crave me. And sometimes our hearts don't crave God. And you know what? Fasting sometimes is the thing that causes us to come to a place where I say, hey God, I don't wanna eat lunch today because I haven't wanted you the way that I should. Hey God, I'm gonna skip eating for the next 24 hours because I really just crave your presence in my life again. And Jesus says when he was gone, the apostles would fast. And I believe when we sense Jesus Christ not in his rightful place in our life, fasting is a way for us to come back into a right relationship with him again. Take a look at verse number 20 in our passage this morning. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them and then they shall fast in those days. You see, we fast because we desire Jesus. We fast because we desire Jesus. 
Again, we don't just fast because it's just like, ah, oh, I guess I'll fast today. I'm not really sure why. Fasting is not some weird, mysterious, mystical thing that we do, and we're not really sure why we're doing it. No, we do it for a specific purpose. We do it because we desire Jesus. One author said it this way, the birthplace of Christian fasting is a homesickness for God. The birthplace of Christian fasting is a homesickness for God. I like that. It's a desire, it's a longing to be close with God again. It's a desire to know him on a deeper level, to know him in a different way. And I'm telling you this, when you fast and your stomach rumbles in the middle of the day and you think to yourself, God, I just want to know you more. When you think to yourself, how much longer is this going to take? You think, God, you're worth it. When you think to yourself about the meal that you're going to have when you're finished with your fast, you can say, God, you're worth the wait. I've known people before who uh, have gone about fasting the wrong way. It's like, I know that I'm fasting tomorrow, so I'm going to load up tonight at dinner, you know? I know I'm fasting tomorrow, so I'm going to order Domino's with the, the wings on the side and breadsticks, and I'm going to get a two-liter of Mountain Dew tonight because I know that I'm fasting tomorrow, and I'll probably have an ice cream sandwich right before bed so that I'm not too hungry. That's not really the idea behind it. The idea is that you would be hungry. The idea is that you would say, I choose to be hungry because I want Jesus. The whole purpose of fasting, the, the biblical word for fasting is one who is empty of bread. So the idea that I'm carrying a belly full of food into the next day and calling it a fast just isn't a biblical idea. You're supposed to be hungry on purpose because that hunger is a correlation to your hunger for God and a desire to want to know him and to walk with him to a greater degree I remember the first time I did an extended fast uh, for more than a week or so, I believe it was at the time. Um, I was doing a, a liquids fast, and so I was drinking protein shakes and smoothies throughout the day and stuff like that. Uh, but something inside of you just wants to eat, you know? So then you say, I just want to chew on something and swallow it, you know? It's just I remember uh, my wife and I had gone to Sam's Club and had one of those big, huge things of cheese balls, like this big, you know? And I could smell the cheese through the plastic, and I thought to myself... <laughs> I just want like just 10 of them. I would be fine. I would, I would be okay with like three of them right now. You know? I would never on a normal day ever eat nasty block of chemicals that's orange. You know? I wouldn't do that on purpose, but at that moment, it's just like, oh, that would be so good right now. But you know what would be better? To know God more, to have the heart of Jesus, to have the mind of Christ. That's better than a dozen cheese balls right now. And it goes back to, again, prove our priorities. We're not proving ourselves to God. You know who we prove ourselves to? Ourself. Here's the thing. God already knows your heart. I'm not trying to prove to God how, how strong I am. I'm not trying to prove to God how much faith I have. I'm trying to prove to myself. Do I really believe what I say I believe? Is Jesus really worth giving up a few meals to know him more? That proves our priorities, not to God, but to us. When we fast, we seek his favor. <laughs> the word favor in the Bible could be interchanged with the word grace. Many times it's the same word that's been translated, favor and grace are the same. But I have a def definition that I use for the word favor. Favor is when God does something for me that he doesn't do for someone else. 
When God does something for me that he doesn't do for someone else, that's, that's the definition that I use for the word favor. When you think of someone doing you a favor, they're doing something above and beyond. Uh, our kids always ask, which one of us is the favorite child, right? And they're the ones who we would do for more than we would do for others, right? When we seek God's favor, we ask God, God, would you do something for me that you didn't do for this guy over there? I believe we as a church family have seen God's favor upon our church in a multitude of ways, multitude of ways. I have people all the time say, how in the world did your church get a 7,000 square foot building right in the middle of the city? And I always say the same thing, God's favor, simple as that. There are many churches who have come before us and after us that have never gotten the type of building that we have, never had the type of location that we have. God's given us his favor, his blessing. I had a pastor, a friend who had visited uh, several years ago, and he says, now what are you guys doing to reach all the young people in your church? What do you mean? He was like, well, church that I was at, you know, he said, we got a bunch of folks in their 60s and 70s, you know. Uh, He said, what do you do to get all the young folks? preach the Bible? Um, like, I'm not sure. And what are you doing for like social media? I was like, our social media is terrible. Uh, don't follow that. And he was like, well, what are you doing? And I said, we're trying to love people and we're trying to preach the Bible. And we've asked God for his favor. We've asked God to do something for us that he's not doing for other people. And so, again, we seek God's favor and we find that through fasting. If you take a look in your notes, uh, Matthew chapter 17, verse number 20. You see, the apostles had tried to cast out a, a, a demon in this, or I'm sorry, to, to heal a child and he couldn't and it was brought to Jesus and Jesus did and Jesus says, you couldn't do it because of your unbelief for verily I say unto you, if you have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, you shall say unto this mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind go, goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Oh yeah, if you have a faith of a grain of a mustard seed, you can tell that mountain to get lost and it will but you're not gonna do it without prayer and fasting. That kind of power requires a little bit of extra on your part. And again, it's not a matter of, oh, my my fasting unlocks God's blessing. No, 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 my fasting proves that I really believe what I say that I believe. And again, please understand that there is no mystical pattern to follow, that if I do X, Y, and Z, that God is obligated to answer my prayers. It does not work that way. God is sovereign and he does what he chooses. And he chooses to work on behalf of his children when they ask according to his plan, according to his will. So don't think if you're hearing this today, like I'm gonna start fasting and then I'll get that job that I want. It doesn't work that way. I'm gonna start fasting. I'm gonna get that car that I want. It does not work that way. Fasting says to God, God, I desire you more than I desire stuff or food. And God, I seek your favor. God, I want you to do great things for me, through me, for your glory. And we seek his favor through fasting. Next, we seek his wisdom through fasting. Job says in Job 23, I've esteemed the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. I want to hear from God more than I want to eat today. Here's a crazy thing for Job. Job sat through the midst of his trials and he had very little to go on based on what God had said. Scripture hadn't been written at that point. He had very little to go on. But you know what he said? Every word that God says is better to me than my lunch today. Every word of it. And to think you and I have 66 books 
that God has written to us directly of wisdom, of his mind, of the word of God. And yet sometimes we sit around going, huh, I really wish God would give me wisdom in this. <laughs> I wish I could just like talk to God face to face. <laughs> Wouldn't that be something? No, it wouldn't. He written you 66 books. Read them. You want wisdom? He wrote a whole book of wisdom. It's called Proverbs. And it will knock your socks off. Oh, my goodness. It's so good. Like, when you should read it, you should have an extra pair of socks because one's going to get knocked off. It's that good. I'm telling you. Like, you'll be like, oh, wow, that was, oh, that, that was so applicable. Oh, man, that's good stuff right there. And I'm telling you this. You want wisdom? Ask for it. The Bible tells you the book of James. Ask for it. He's going to give it to you liberally. You want wisdom? Seek it. Find it in his word. You want wisdom? Prove it. You want wisdom more than you want to eat lunch today? Because I don't know about you, but I want to eat lunch. Like, I'm already looking at my clock. Don't look at your clock. Uh, I'm thinking to myself, what's for lunch today? I'm already thinking that. What's for lunch today? But would I say I want to eat today or I want wisdom worse? Well, Well, of course I want wisdom more than I want lunch. Prove it. Spend your lunchtime today praying for wisdom and not eating. And every time your stomach rumbles this afternoon, just remember, God, I want you and I want your wisdom. God, I want to know you more. I want your mind in all things. I want to make the right decision. I want to walk in wisdom. God, give it to me. Fasting proves that. Next, we seek his protection. We see a fasting for protection in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 20. There came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. Behold, they be in Hazaztamar, which is Engadi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord. Hey, Jehoshaphat, an army's coming, and they're looking to take your head off. And he says, okay. What did he do? He got scared. And what did he do? He set himself to seek the Lord. Stop right there for just a second. Don't read any further. He got scared. What's the first thing he did? Oh, no, what are we going to do? He got scared. The first thing he did, what, run to his friends? No, he set himself to seek the Lord. I don't know what's going to happen in this, but I think I should pray. I don't know what's going to happen, but I really need God's mind in this. I don't know what's going to happen with this, but the, my first thought is God. I remember sitting in a doctor's office in an urgent care clinic in California. And the doctor came in and says the the growth that we see on your daughter, it looks like lymphoma cancer. You need to get this checked out by a specialist. We can't do the type of tests that you need here, but you need to push for answers because she probably doesn't have a long time to live. My daughter told me that. She was one years old. Fear struck my heart. And you know what the first thing we did? Let's pray about it. And my wife and I sat in that room by ourselves and we prayed. God, would you save our little girl? And if you don't save her, would you do something really awesome that we can tell a great story about one day? Amen. Done. Whatever happens now happens. You know, We're going to do what the doctors tell us to. We're going to try to be smart about this. But at the end of the day, whatever happens, happens. And so many times we get fearful and we begin to think to ourselves, what can I do? How can I fix this? Who can I call? What can, what can I do to make all this go away? No, he feared and then he sought the Lord. I love that. Love that. And what did he do next? Uh, verse number uh, 
Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. Hey, guys, we're in a bad situation here. Would you guys just come together and pray and fast and ask God to protect us through this? And you know what God did? God protected them through it. There's been times in my life where I've called friends and said, hey, man, would you pray about this? And if God leads you to, would you, would you fast with me and pray about this particular situation that I have going on? And, and just pray that God would protect me. If you've got any wisdom you want to share, I want to be open and receive that as well. But I really just want God's mind on this. I want God's wisdom. I want God to protect. And we see fasting for protection. And we should seek God's protection not in a physical sense only, but also in a spiritual sense. Just know this. If you call yourself a Christian today, the devil hates your guts. Hates your guts. And he cannot listen to me if you're a child of God, he cannot take your soul, but he can ruin your life. And he can steal your joy. Can't steal your salvation. That's settled forever in heaven. Amen. Jesus says, no man shall pluck them out of my father's hand. Nobody can take away your salvation, but the devil can ruin your life and he can steal your joy. And just know this, he hates your guts. You got a target on your back and he's coming for you. And you need protection. We see last week, Jesus in the Lord's Prayer, deliver us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Hey, it's coming for you, God. Would you protect us from it? If Jesus taught us to pray like that, many times we don't. I pray for my kids that they would be protected. God, help my kids to not get caught up in all the garbage that goes on on the internet. Help my kids to be protected from all the fake, phony counterfeit nonsense that goes on in social media. God, would you protect my children from the devil? Would you protect my kids' purity and help them to walk down the wedding aisle one day sexually pure right before you in marriage with another person who's committed their life to walking with Jesus? God, would you protect them till that day comes? My youngest daughter's two. And I think to myself, she's going to be a teenager one day. How much worse is the world going to be 16 years from now than it is today? I think of where things were when I was a teenager. I thought it was bad then. And again, now I get to be the old guy who goes, back in my day, things were really, really bad. But I, now it's gotten worse. I get to be that, that old guy, I guess. But uh, I'm thinking to myself, my two-year-old, 16 years from now, is going to be 18. God, would you please help her? Would you please give me the wisdom that I need to protect her? and to give her the tools that she needs to one day walk in wisdom as a woman of God, would you help me with that? I need protection. So I'm telling you, friends, I fast for the protection of my family. I fast for the protection of our church family. Why? Because Jesus says, when I leave, you're gonna fast then. Why do we fast? We fast for the things that Jesus can provide for us. Next, we fast because we seek his presence. We seek his presence I want to know him. Understand this. God is omnipresent. Jesus has promised to never leave you or forsake you. So just know this. You can run to the ends of the earth and not be out of God's presence. 
when we talk about the presence of God, we're not talking about his omnipresence, the fact that he's always there. We're talking about his manifest presence, the fact that we see God at work. We see God doing stuff. We see God at work in our lives, in the lives of others. That's what we talk about when we see God's presence and we seek his presence. We, we see him at work. We see his manifest presence when we see someone get saved. Seven of the first eight weeks of this year, someone got saved here at who we call about his church. And I say, praise God. God, you're at work. God, you're moving amongst our people. Two weeks ago, we talked about tithing. Seven families started tithing after we talked about giving. I say, praise God. God, you're at work here. People have told me this week that they've, been, they've started a prayer list and they're gonna start praying. Praise God, you're at work here. We see people who have left our church and the, the Lord's taking them to the mainland for, for work or something like that and God's bringing them back to our church. And I say, praise God, God, you're at work here. And we see God's manifest presence at work here, but we can't take that for granted. You just can't. Last year, we saw 30 people baptized at who we call a Baptist church. And I say, praise God for that. The average Baptist church in America last year baptized two people. That's embarrassing. But I say, God, you're doing something for us that you're not doing for every other church in America. We, we see you at work and we praise God for that. And we're thankful for that. We just started discipleship. And right now we have about 50 people every single week that are meeting together to talk about their faith and how they can grow in their faith and how they can be better Christians and more committed followers of Jesus Christ. We say, God, thank you for that. But the worst thing in the world that you and I can do is just sit back and go, whew, awesome. That's cool. Keep it coming, God. Keep it coming. Yeah, all right. Whoo, yeah, that's awesome. No, no, no. We pray, we fast, we work, and we leave the results up to God. That's what we do. So we want God's presence like never before. We want God to work and move in this church like never before. We want to see people repent of and confess sin like never before. We want to see people sold out on fire for Jesus like never before, but it doesn't happen by accident. We don't just show up for a couple of hours on Sundays and do it again next Sunday and just hope that it all comes together. No, we pray, we fast, we work, and then we leave the results up to God. But God, we want your presence here like never before. We see the children of Israel in Deuteronomy chapter number eight. And thou shalt remember all the way which the Lord God led thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee, to prove thee, and to know what is in thine heart whether thou wouldst keep his commandments or no, and he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger and fed thee with manna which thou knowest not, neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee known a man that doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Mm. You look at that and you go, that's good. Children of Israel, God led you for 40 years in the wilderness and fed you with manna from heaven just to show you that you don't live by bread alone, but you live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. The presence of God, the word of God in your life is everything that you need. And you know why that verse has so much more power as we read it in Deuteronomy chapter eight? Because Jesus, when he was tempted in the wilderness, the devil said, take, take that rock and turn it into bread. I know you're hungry. You've been fasting for 40 days. Take that bread and turn it into rock. You know what Jesus says? Nope, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Whew, that's good. So fasting says to God, God, I want your presence more than I want anything else. I want you to work and move in my life. And I want you to move to such a degree in my life 
that it spills over into the lives of the people around me. God, I want your presence to be so full upon me that my wife is impacted, that my kids are impacted, that my coworkers are impacted, that my friends are impacted, that my church family is impacted. God, I desire your presence to that degree, not so that I can be great, but so that your name can be magnified among your people. That's what I desire. And you know what proves that? Fasting. God, I'm skipping eating today because I really want your presence at work in my life. God, I confess that I've just been kind of going through the motions. I've just been hoping that you'll show up. I've just been taking for granted all the things you do in my life. But God, today, I'm going to pray and seek your face. God, today, I'm going to spend time in your word. And every time I want to eat, every time I see my family eating, every time I see my coworker eating a sandwich, or every time I see somebody run to the vending machine, I'm going to remember that I want your presence at work in my life like never before. God, today's your day. Fasting proves that. And I'm telling you this, it'll do something to your heart that you've never experienced before. Finally, another thing that we find through fasting is we find forgiveness. We seek his forgiveness. Again, we took a look at earlier that we have a mourning that's associated with it, a sorrow that's associated with fasting. And when we sin against God, one of the ways to really find, I want to be careful the way that I choose my words here because fasting doesn't bring forgiveness. Repentance brings forgiveness. But let me say it this way, fasting and repentance leave a mark on your heart. That's for sure. The Bible says in 1 John, if we confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I don't have to fast to be forgiven of my sin. But when I say, God, I've, I've sinned against you. I'm grieved by my sin. And because of that, I choose not to eat today because I want to be whole again. And you'll see something special happen in your heart. I know that you will. If you're struggling with sin and you really want to confess it and make it right, take notes today. Write Psalm 50 in your notes. Psalm 51, I'm sorry. Write Psalm 51 in your notes. This is... a uh, classic example of what repentance looks like. David had sinned with Bathsheba and he wanted to make things right with God and he wrote Psalm 51. Study it, memorize it, meditate on it, live it. We see that heart of repentance. We also see David when his baby was born, was, didn't look like he was going to make it, he fasted. He didn't eat. People are like, David, you need to get up and eat. He's like, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. He sought God's face through fasting first and foremost. And we don't know because the Bible doesn't tell us and for me to say anything would just be sheer conjecture. So I want to tell you at that point, I'm just guessing here. But I'm guessing as David laid before God without eating in that moment, he realized the depths of his sinful condition. He realized what he had done had caused this. And I guarantee you that was a time of repentance for him. I'm guessing. Again, the Bible doesn't tell us what he prayed. But I can imagine it was a prayer of not only for his child, who was, would later go on to die. But I think it was a prayer of repentance before God as well, where he poured out his heart before God and sought to make things right. Seek repentance. One author said it this way, the hunger of fasting is a hunger of God. And a test of the hunger is whether it includes a hunger for holiness. Fasting is meant to starve sin, not us. I like that. 
The idea is this. I want to remind myself that every time I have a rumble in my stomach, every time I feel a little bit weak because I haven't eaten anything today, I want to remember that I'm choosing to do this because I want God more. I want that in my physical weakness to remember the spiritual strength that I gain from a right relationship and walking with God. I want to be reminded of that, that while I am not starving my physical flesh, I'm starving my spiritual carnality. Final practical thoughts and we're done. First of all, use your meal time as an opportunity to spend time in the word and pray. Maybe you're gonna start off with just a single fast and that might be it. I've known people before who say, well, I don't really eat breakfast anyway, so I think I'll make that my fast. That's not fasting. That's just trying to make it easier. Well, sometimes I don't even eat breakfast and I don't realize it. Then that's not fasting. The purpose is that you would realize it and you would choose, you would choose to be hungry. Maybe it's just one meal. Maybe you just want to take, a, take lunch on Thursday this week and say, hey, I just want to fast. I'm going to skip lunch today and spend some time in prayer. I'm going to have some passages of Scripture that I'm going to meditate on. I'll have th- things I'm going to think through. Maybe if there's a sin that you're dealing with that's a besetting sin, you're going to go to a, a passage of Scripture where you can meditate on a verse that deals with that. Maybe you're struggling in your marriage. You want to pray through and read through and fast over Ephesians chapter 5. talks about the relationship between a husband and a wife. Maybe your children are away from the Lord and it breaks your heart because your children aren't walking in righteousness. Maybe you want to set aside some time to fast and pray for your children and to pray over the promise that if you train up a child in the way he should go when he's old and not depart from it. Maybe you're struggling with contentment. Maybe you're struggling with materialism. I don't know what it is. The Bible has the answer and fasting proves my heart towards those things. Next, understand that fasting is more about replacing than it is about abstaining. This is not a matter of like, oh, I'm going to skip lunch today for no other reason. No, I want to replace my meal time with time with God. I want to replace time that I would normally physically nourish myself with a time that I want to be spiritually nourish myself. I'm going to replace my carnal desires with spiritual desires. I'm going to replace mealtime with me with prayer time with God. It's about replacing something is more than it's just doing without something. Again, I've known people before who, oh, I'm not going to drink coffee this week. And for some of you, that might be a major fast for you. Uh, for me, uh, I'd find something else to drink instead probably. And it wouldn't, wouldn't affect me at all. The idea of fasting is not that I'd find something I can give up that doesn't bother me. I mean, you know, I, could, I could give up I'm not going to watch TV for the next week. I don't watch TV anyway. So it's not really to give anything up. I'm not really replacing anything. I'm just choosing to abstain. That's not what fasting is. Fasting is choosing to give up something for the purpose of being closer to God. I want to encourage you to fast as often and for as long as your situation dictates. You know, if you're burdened for your kids, maybe you should fast once a week for your kids. If you're burdened for your marriage, maybe you should take every Monday and fast for your marriage on Mondays. Maybe you're in a currently uh, heavy season where just everything seems to be falling down around you. Maybe you're gonna take a week. I'm gonna fast for the entire week. And maybe I'm not gonna eat any any solid foods for the next week. I'm just gonna to get by on on you know protein shakes and smoothies and water and juice and just for a week while I focus on God. 
And every time somebody comes by at the office, you go, hey, man, we got donuts in the break room. Go grab one. You go, ah, not this week. Hey, man, let's go to lunch today. I'd be happy to go sit down with you at lunch and maybe grab a coffee or something like that, but I'm not eating this week, and so um, I'd be happy to go with you. And some people might say, the Bible says you can't tell people that you're fasting. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says not to make a show of it. If I put a three-by-five card on my desk that says fasting this week so I can get closer to God, that would be the idea behind it. You don't do that. Or you don't say, like, I'm fasting this week, so the donuts in the break room are all yours. That's what Jesus says. Don't do that. He says, don't make your face all sad while you're fasting. And people look at you and go, oh, trying to make it this week. I'm fasting. I'm dying. Pray for me. I'm fasting. He says, don't do that. Stop it. Knock it off. But it's okay. Here's the thing. When I fast, sometimes I got to tell my wife, hey, I know you're making dinner tonight. Don't make anything for me. I'm fasting tonight. That's, that's, a, that's a courtesy. There's been times where I've been fasting and somebody invited us over to their house. And I had to call ahead and say, hey, I'm going to give you a heads up. It has nothing to do with your wife's cooking. <laughs> I'm fasting this week. Uh, and so if it's awkward for you, I can come another time. It's not awkward for me at all. It's, it's 100% okay with me. But if it would make you or your, your family feel weird, we can reschedule for another time. I just can't right now. And that's just, that's just being considerate for other people. But man, fast as often or for as long as you feel like you need to. But make this a part of your spiritual disciplines. Hey, when you pray, here's how you pray. When you give, here's how you give. When you fast, here's how you fast. If you've never done it before, I always recommend start small. One meal. Hey, I'm gonna take one meal. I'm gonna skip it today. If you're going to do 24 hours, hey, I'm not going to drink coffee for 24 hours. Hey, I'm not going to eat any bread for 24 hours, uh, something like that. But start small and, and make it a regular part. Don't make it the, sometimes people treat prayer like a spiritual 911. When everything's falling apart, then I'll pray. No, 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 you're supposed to pray all the time. And I, I don't fast when everything's falling apart. I'm fasting at regular intervals throughout my, my Christian walk, throughout the year. And so make this a part of regular spiritual discipline. If you're interested in this, I've got, I've got a gang of books that I could send your way that would be helpful for you. If you have questions on fasting, I'd be happy to try to answer those the best that I can. Uh, I don't know that I'm an expert so much as that, that I've just done it a lot and find out what works for me and might, might not work for you. But make this a part of your regular spiritual discipline. And most important thing in the entire world, if you're here today and you don't know for sure that you're saved, none of this matters to you, none. Fasting will not help you one single iota at all, none, if you're not a child of God. So if you're here today and you don't know for sure there's been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, don't leave here today without knowing for sure that you're saved. There's never been a time, a date, a place in your life where you know for sure that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior. That is everything. Make sure that that's handled before you leave today. But for those of us that are Christians that call God our Father, let's spend some quality time in fasting as the Lord leads us to. Thanks for joining us for the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast. We'd love to have you as our guest this Sunday morning at 10 a.m. You'll find exciting classes for your keiki, a welcoming church family, and a message from the Bible that's sure to encourage your heart. Join us this Sunday. You belong here.